Psalm 11, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyelids behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. The one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, and the upright will behold his face. United Nations leader Kofi Annan travels the world visiting areas of some of the worst violence and cruelty in human history. Few men have the responsibility to face such evil worldwide. Fewer still must attempt to find a solution to such a complex and insurmountable problem. He says when he prays, he often wonders about man's cruelty to other men. Quote, I'm struggling with evil. I still don't understand how there can be so much evil. He says, you look at the impact of all of this evil and you see young people who have no hope. He is most puzzled when he comes face to face with evil, recounting his meetings with former Serbian leader and indicted war criminal Slobodan Milosevic. He says, Milosevic will talk about the days when he was a banker in New York City. He speaks English. He sounds like a rational, reasonable person, and yet he is capable of all sorts of acts of evil. How do they do it, he asks. How does someone behave like such a normal human being and suddenly turn so evil? He says, suddenly the moral instinct alone does not answer. You are on your own. You are trying to find direction in a world in which there are no marked paths. You're sitting across from pure evil. What do you do now? We have been coming face to face with a lot of evil lately, haven't we? How do we live considering what has happened these past few weeks, considering what is happening right now as we speak around the world? What, what are we to do to what we are seeing on the streets of America, thinking that we can never go back to the way it was 
when we saw a, an absolute abominable hatred for humankind. But yet, here it is, and it's being broadcasted all over the news, what are we to do in the face of evil? Psalm 11 answers that question. David must respond to the wickedness that is encroaching upon him and destroying everything he knows. If we look at Psalm 11 in light of the surrounding Psalms, it is a continuation of a very bleak picture of life. A picture of life where the wicked are flourishing and God seems nowhere to be found. Look at how Psalm 10 starts real quick. Why do you stand so far off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Where are you, God? I'm sure many people ask that these past weeks. It's followed by a resume of the wicked and everything that people are doing, the violence that is happening before him. Psalm 12, help, O Lord, for the godly man ceases to be. The wicked strut about on every side. Vileness is exalted among men. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? In Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Does it sound like anything that you and I are dealing with today? We see that it happens over and over and over again. David and we are living in a godless, wicked, evil time, and God seems nowhere to be found. How do we respond? What are we to do? Well, David's answers are our answers, and it's the answer of faith. We look at two aspects of faith, and then in the center of this, we answer the question, what are the righteous to do in such a situation? And the first thing that we see that faith helps us do in this situation is it keeps us from utter despair. Look at verses 1 through 3. Look at how David responds to this advice, whether it be that he is recalling advice that is given to him by an advisor or he's actually having this battle within himself. He responds to this by making a declaration of faith. In the Lord, I take refuge. On Friday, March 28th, 1947, 6.55 a.m., Bronx bus driver William Similo got into his bus and he started his daily route, but then something happened. He decided to take a crazy leap. Fed up with New York traffic, fed up with his life, his job, Similo decided he had enough. Instead of sticking to his daily routine, he decided to take his bus south. Going nowhere in particular, he stopped in New Jersey for a bite to eat, parked in front of the White House to take a look around Washington, D.C., three days later he was in Hollywood, Florida, where he stopped for a nighttime swim. 
He was totally free and strapped for cash, so he telegrammed his boss in New York City asking for $50. That's when his boss sent some cops and a mechanic to go pick him up. However, the mechanic couldn't drive the bus, so Similo had to drive the mechanic and the police officers all the way back to New York City. And when he went back to New York City, he was welcomed as a hometown hero, doing something that everybody would want to do in his life. And he was asked about this, and he said, I just wanted to get away from everything. I recently recalled a story when I was working in Long Creek, and Long Creek is going to make you want to quit multiple times, probably multiple times throughout the day. And there was one time where there was this guy, and he were dealing with these, uh, his, the, the boss that we were working with, and, and he had enough. And he took off his radio, he put it on the desk, he walked up to the office, he turned in his king's keys, and he was never seen from again. It, folks, how many people are tempted to do that right now in life? How many people are tempted to give up? Why do we keep, why do we bother? The wicked are strutting about on every side. It seems like violence is everywhere. What are the righteous to do? Folks, faith doesn't flee, does it? As a matter of fact, faith runs, but it runs to who? It runs to God. And faith is going to keep us from this despair. That is exactly how David answers this situation. As much as we want to hide, as much as we want to run and hide and remove ourselves from the place that God has called us to, we cannot do it. Faith has hope, doesn't it? That's what this is. Faith looks to God for hope in times of despair. What's happening around David is a reality. And when we look at our circumstances, just like Peter looked at all the, the storm and the waves crashing around him, when we look at our circumstances, yes, you and I are going to despair. And we're going to say, let's get out of here. What else are we going to do? It's all over with. That's the advice that David is getting, and it's most likely when he was being pursued by Saul, and he gets this advice from his count, one of his advisors or a few of his advisors, and he's recounting this in his head. But also, we can give ourselves this advice, can't we? We can give ourselves the advice that everything is lost. All hope is gone. When we find ourselves in difficult situations, these are the conversations that we have with ourselves. Why do I bother? Lord, why do I bother being righteous? Another psalmist wrote that. What's the point? When the wicked are prospering, the wicked are everywhere, all of these things are happening, we might as well just give up and turn in the towel. It's all over with. David is not imagining what is happening, nor are his advisors. 
This is a reality for him. And we see that despair can cause us to lose hope. If you and I look at the situation today, we turn on the news, and this is where all those voices can come in. We look at the situation the past few weeks. We can become hopeless, can't we? Causes us to lose faith. It's a temptation to distrust God. To think maybe He's not in control. We lose hope, we lose faith, and we gain fear. Lots of it. And fear begins to control us in our decisions. And we get desperate. This is David's reality, and it feels like our reality right now. Just a few weeks ago, it was literally unsafe for folks to be out of, out of their shelters. Everywhere we turn, evil seems to be prospering, seeking to harm the innocent. The wicked are readying their arrows and taking aim, especially at God's people, and they have one goal, is to kill. And we don't know when it's coming, do we? They shoot at the upright in heart, in the darkness. Causes us to fear. And God seems to be nowhere in sight. Just allowing all these things to happen. What hope do we have when the very foundations of society are being destroyed and I think we can all agree that the very foundations of our society are being destroyed right now, aren't they? This is happening in David's time. The foundations were the law of the Lord and the moral codes that were built upon the character of God. We've had foundations for, for years in our country, in our world, that were just understood and accepted. And recently, or a few while back, a survey was done, and they say that one in three children who go to school fear for their safety because of all the violence. One in three children fear for their safety. We are faced with multiple wars. We are faced with mass shootings. We also live in a society where if you call someone by the wrong gender, you may lose your job. Doctors are mutilating the bodies of children, changing the very sex that they were created with, and parents are applauding this. Not just the foundations of society, but the foundations of biology. And it even seems that God's church is adopt, adopting these norms. What are the righteous to do when the foundations are being destroyed? Run. Get out of Dodge, right? 
everything's falling apart. Might as well just give up. Are those foundations what we stand on? No. Are those foundations what we trust in? No. Take refuge in him. David will have absolutely none of it. Yes, all of this is happening around him. But David sees his safety and his security is found in one place, and that's God. Corey Ten Boom, we know she wrote the book, The Hiding Place, says this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. What do the righteous do in times of evil destruction? The righteous stand on faith's foundation. Amen? That's what we do. What, what, answer the question, what are the righteous to do? What are we to do when everything is falling apart around us? What are we to do when evil's strutting about on every side? What are we to do? We are to trust in Him. That's what we're to do. And we think having faith is doing nothing. It's actually doing everything. That's the only thing we can do is trust in Him. He's our shelter. He's our refuge. He's our rock. Everything else is going to fail you. I promise you that. That's what David does. In similar times, nothing's changed. David knows. David knows that the Lord called him to be king. David knows God is going to make sure that that happens. David knows his plan is going to unfold. David knows God. And knowing God, standing on that foundation, having faith in Him is the only thing that is going to sustain us in times of evil. Amen? It's the only thing. What do we do? Have faith. That's what we do. That's our answer. And we can have faith. We'll stand firm and not be shaken because we know something. What is it that we know? We know the same thing that David knows. God hasn't left his throne. Has he? Who's in control? He is. He is. Guy says, let me tell you something about earthquakes. When the Kalinga quake occurred, a lot of things were discovered. One of the things that were discovered was that houses that were bolted to the foundation 
withstood the quake. This was a house that I believe was not bolted to the foundation. And it was a quake of 8.2 on the Richter scale. 8.2 houses that were bolted to the foundation withstood the quake. And it says that houses are not only on the foundation, but it's like the house has a living relationship to the foundation. It is into the foundation as well as on the foundation. Folks, the bolts that hold us to the foundation are faith. And the foundation is God Almighty. And part of that foundation, His character, a truth, that we can stand on is God is absolutely sovereign. Remembering that truth, knowing that truth is going to keep us firmly planted, knowing that we will not be shaken when the earth is. And that's what's happening right now in this world. He's shaking it. not just connected to some nebulous being. It's a truth. This is the truth of His character. And this is the truth that is going to sustain us during extremely difficult times. Because guess what? If God's not in control, run. Run and hide. Get out of here. You're not safe. None of us are. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. And far from being far off, God is intimately working in the lives of everybody on this earth. You and I can trust Him because there is nothing out of His control and there is nothing that escapes His notice. God's sovereignty is our security. No matter what you're facing in life, there is nothing that is out of His hands. No matter what suffering that you're going through, you can trust in Him, and you can trust that He sees what you're going through, and you can trust that He is one day going to make everything right. He says, His eyelids behold, His eyelids test the sons of men. Is He far off? No, He's he's piercing, he's, he's gazing into the hearts and souls of men and women on earth. He is testing them, and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. God is in heaven, ruling over everything. He's watching, he's testing, he's observing, he's judging, and he is rewarding when the world or our lives appear out of control, we have to remember that God remains in control. 
And that provides a comfort for us during times like this. Because we want to run. We want to hide. We want to despair. That's the temptation. We want to take matters into our own hands. I love this Charles Spurgeon quote. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. That is just perfect. We need rest right now. We need comfort right now. Where do we find that comfort? We find it in Him. And we find it in this truth. We find it in His character. Is God wicked? No. Is He capable of evil? No. He's righteous and He loves righteousness. And we're not going to have the answers. And I know we want them at times. We're not going to understand. But we can trust. That's the best thing that we can do. David knows what all of us need to know, especially during times like this. It's a truth that we need to declare to ourselves. God's on His throne. As much as it doesn't look like He is. And all that is happening remains under His intimate, loving, righteous control. David sees what God sees, and God sees into the very heart of man. He's very much aware of the evil that is happening. To test and behold means to scrutinize and to examine. One commentator states this, the thought of faith, the thought of faith keeps this thought of faith knowing that God's on His throne, keeps the godly from despair. His piercing glance searches out every act, every word, and every thought of the ungodly. Their seeming impunity is only temporary. It's only temporary. At last, they must pay the full penalty of their wickedness, And with the righteous, with you and me, we are rewarded. God is involved very personally. David sees two things going on here. God is dealing with the wicked and God is also dealing with the righteous as the righteous are facing this wickedness. This is a test of faith for us. And this is revealing that our faith is in Him. So as the world falls apart around us and people are wondering, how are you still okay? We point to Him. That's how we're okay because we trust that He's sovereign. We trust that He's good. And we trust that He is not going to let this evil continue, is He? He's not. Faith sees the future of both the wicked and the righteous. We have to. Because if not, we'll lose hope. I had a lot of emotions this past week with regards to the shooting in Lewiston. A ton of emotions. As I'm sure many of you have. One of those emotions was hatred. 
I, I hated that act. And I hated the one who did it. Now, my hatred is not pure at all. I know it's mixed. I was angry. We sometimes think that God is just aloof from all of this. But I want you to notice the language that is used here. How does God feel about things like last uh, a few weeks ago? He hates it, doesn't he? Is he far off? No. He doesn't just hate the act, and we can't sanitize this verse. He hates the one who loves violence. How do we, how do we remedy that with God's love for all people? Is God all loving? Absolutely. But God's hatred of, of the individuals who commit acts of violence against His creation is both pure and it's justifiable. We can't fathom that. And God still remains loving. Why? Because the sun still comes up on the wicked every day. And God still remains loving because He gives them time to continue living, continuing down this path as he holds out the opportunity for repentance and forgiveness and to receive his love. His hatred is upon them because they have rejected his love. And it's okay to feel that way towards these acts. It's absolutely terrible. And God, far from being removed from it, God hates it. He hates it with a passion. It says from his very soul. And it will be dealt with accordingly. Folks, the future judgment that is coming upon this world is the hope that we have. Now, we don't want that for those individuals. We want them to return. We want them to repent. But the answer to evil and evil right now is God is going to judge it. The judgment that is mentioned here is the judgment that was on Sodom and Gomorrah. A judgment that this world right now needs to remember. The wicked will not be allowed to continue in their wickedness. God will judge evil, the evil that we face, and they must answer to Him. The cup of their violence that they drank becomes the cup of His wrath. So for, for us, we can't retreat from the world. We need to go out and warn them, don't we? We need to go out and tell them this. And give them hope as people are despairing all over the place right now. 
evil will be judged and righteousness will be rewarded. Faith looks to the future, sees the end of the wicked, a total destruction of evil, justice done, and a reward for you and me. Notice how he ends this. The upright will behold his face. How many people want to see the Lord's face right now? Raise your hand. I hope all hands here go up. Maybe you're somewhere like, ah. I like this ending because David's already looking to his face, isn't he? David's already looking to God in this whole situation. And, and David knows that, that no matter what he sees now, all the evil, all the wickedness, foundations just crumbling all around him, David knows that that is not going to be his future. We're going to see a ton of evil in this world. We're going to see a lot of suffering. We're going to see a lot of pain. But we have to remember that because we've trusted in Him, we're going to one day see His face. We'll see His his grace here on earth in our lives. We'll see His mercy on those that are wicked. We'll see His love. We'll see His compassion. And one day, you and I will lay eyes on the one who sits on the throne. And one day when we see His face, all these questions that we have now are going to be answered, aren't they? So when we come face to face with evil, trust in the one whose face you will one day see. Father, Lord, help us during these times to have faith. Help us to continue to trust in You. Help us to fight off despair with faith in You. And help us to remember that though the world seems out of control right now, that You remain in control. Help us to have a steadfast faith like David and to point others to that foundation upon which we stand now and will stand for all eternity. We love and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.